0: Amen, thank you very much. Acts chapter 1 in your Bible here. This morning, Acts chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. We have left Joshua, we will come back shortly. But Acts chapter 1 is where we'll be at this morning. That's uh some fitting songs before the message. Song about the old rugged cross, and then uh, I surrender all. Amen. Acts chapter one, once you find your place, if you're able, why don't you stand? We'll read a part of the chapter here and then see what the Lord has for us this morning. The Bible says in Acts chapter one, we begin reading at verse one. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God." And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Whence they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven... As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. I'd like to ask Coach if he'd ask the Lord's help in the preaching this morning. Mm-mm. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Of course, the passage of Scripture that we read this morning is about the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to preach about that this morning. Uh, I'd like to tell you probably a bunch of things you already know. There is a, unfortunately, there is a movement within Christianity, even amongst Bible believers that began to surface back as early as the 1960s. And this movement is dangerous, it's dirty, it's damning, and it's defiling anyone caught in its grasp. This movement amongst believers is a self-induced ignorance. And it's been inflicted upon Christians by the author of Scripture for one reason alone. You say, preacher, what is that reason? That reason this morning... That this self-induced ignorance has been inflicted upon so many Bible-believing Christians is the reason of not taking the Bible seriously. This now worldwide movement has caused millions of Christians to give up looking for Jesus Christ to return. The Bible tells you and I in at least a half a dozen places that we are to look for His return. But now, as you have seen and heard and probably witnessed for many years now, Christians are waiting for a mirage of things. Christians are waiting for America to re-Christianize by the Reconstructionists. So, Who's that? Who knows and who cares? Christians are now waiting for a great revival to come by political activity of the Christian right wing. I like what one fellow said, he says, the right wing and the left wing are still on the same bird. (laughs) Some Christians, uh, they're busy waiting for Daniel's 70th week to show up. Some Christians would rather investigate when the temple is going to be rebuilt. Some Christians would like to stay and look for the son of perdition to show up. Not me, man. Some Christians are waiting for Russia To invade Palestine. And some Christians are wrapped up in many other things that scripture never told them to look for. And today I might do a poor job, but I'd like to preach this morning about the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And I would like to challenge you this morning. uh, This is not a Bible study, but we are going to study the Bible. I know my preaching usually settles and comforts you, not by preaching, but the part where you get to leave your Bible open. I'm going to have you turn this morning, and I want you to see it with your own eyes, lest you and I become this self-induced ignorant crowd. I don't think that maybe we are that ignorant crowd, but then again, maybe we are. Maybe now you and I have got to the point where Things are uh, maybe looking up, and now we're no longer looking for Jesus Christ. We're looking for the next thing on the horizon. Maybe you're now looking towards your next move in life, your next job. Some of you are just looking to wake up in the morning, get out of bed. (laughs) But are you looking for Jesus Christ? You say, why do you say that? Because He's coming back soon. And our fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers, they used to preach this stuff a lot, and they were called white horse preachers. And they would preach about that man, Jesus Christ, coming back on a white horse. And let me tell you what, he's coming back. And as the old preacher said, he's coming back, and boy, is he mad. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, I'm looking forward to the day that he comes back. And lest you and I be part of that ignorant crowd that is so caught up in our ignorance because now the Bible no longer is serious to us, I think it'd behoove us to look at this thing today. I want to start off with number one, the First thing I want to preach to you about is the method for his returning. Right there in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We'll reread just a couple of verses. The Bible says in verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up? Into heaven. The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven. Look at it now. Shall so come. In like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. You see the witness and testimony of the angels saying he's coming back. And the method of his return is we will meet him privately the way he left. Meet him privately. The Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 that we will meet him in the air. Amen. will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And the method of his his return is going to be the same way he left out. He begins to ascend up, literally. uh, It just must have been an incredible sight to see the Lord Jesus Christ just literally levitate and just all of a sudden, in a cloud receives him out of their sight. I'm telling you, one day, we're going to meet the Lord in the air and be gathered together with them, the Bible says, in the clouds. And the method of his return is going to be the same way he left out of here. Uh, The Bible says that he'll call us personally by name. I wonder if you remember that. John chapter 10 with me. Uh, We're going to turn some passages this morning. And as the one preacher said, the more you turn those blessed pages, the more you'll love the rock of ages. I believe the reason we don't uh, show our love for God more than we do because we don't turn the pages. Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 3, uh, go back to verse 2, But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep. By name and leadeth them out. You see that in John chapter 10, verse 3. He's calling the sheep by name. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, the method of his return is just like the way he left out. And he blows, uh, the Bible says, in the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. But what happens is we hear our names called in John chapter 10, verse, uh, verse 3. Uh, he calls each sheep by name and then, notice, and leadeth them where? Out. Out we go. And the method of his return, he's coming back. And what he does is he calls our name. So uh, it could be in the middle of the sermon. Every one of us children of God are going to hear our names. And we're going to be out of here. And you know what the lost people are going to hear? Thunder. That Bible says that the voice of God is like thunder. Uh, The the saint hears it like the trumpet. Uh, The sound that a trumpet makes. And the sound that a trumpet makes is your name. And then he leads you on out. The Bible also says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16 that the dead in Christ rise first and then the saved that are alive, they go last. And so the saved man hears a voice like a trumpet which declares his name. For me, it'll be Jeremy Evans, come up hither. And for you all, it'll be your name, come up hither. And, uh, but the other people hear it that are lost as thunder. The method for his returning is the way he left out. He's going to come back just like the way he left out. Let me give you not only the method for his return, but let me give you the mission for his returning. Here's the mission. Look at 1 John chapter 3. Are you looking forward to the Lord coming back? The fact of the matter that we as a Christian people, as Bible-believing people, have gotten very cold to the return of Christ because these things do not excite us. I'm not looking to you to be out of control. I'm not looking to you to run around or... Grab the fans. I don't know if they'd support our weight anyways. But they don't, it no longer excites us. A matter of fact, what's more exciting is where are we going for lunch? And uh, what about what's coming up? What's the next holiday? What's the next event? What's the next vacation? What's the next extra paycheck that I can get? Why is it? Because it's self-induced ignorance. Because we no longer take the Bible seriously. But let me tell you, let me remind you what you already know. He's coming back. He's coming back. And I don't know if you're ready or not. I pray to God you are. I believe probably most of us here today are saved. Amen. And if you're saved, what a blessing that is. But you can be here today and be saved and still not be ready to meet the Lord. That's the thing about his return. Now the mission for his returning in 1 John chapter 3. I want you to see about this thing here. 1 John chapter 3. A lot of turning this morning. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. You ever stop and think about the title, the sons of God? That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Uh, it's not a light thing to be called a son, let alone the son, one of the sons of God. Amen. And uh, we were, uh, we were, the mission for His returning is the fact that God is searching for some sons. God is searching for some sons that would love him. You know the story in the beginning of time Adam and Eve were placed in the garden and he gave them paradise and he gave them everything they needed all kinds of food and all kinds of fruit and all kinds of company but the one thing he could not make them do was love him and you know what God is looking for today? The mission for his return is he's looking for some sons of his to love him unconditionally. He's looking for some sons to have fellowship with him on a daily basis and to want to talk to him and to want to get to know who he is that's the mission he's looking for some sons and you know over in John chapter 1 verse 12 the Bible says for as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God you say why well back there in the book of Job chapter 1 or Genesis chapter 6 there were some sons of God that were created amen and they came and they you know what they desired to do they desired to be part of another family and because they desired to be part of another family they desired to go to a different country you know what God did even though they were his sons that he had created, he let them go. And the Bible says over there in the book of Peter, second was it Second Peter? Uh, I've got it in the notes here. It's uh, Jude, uh, rather, uh, look at Jude 6. He had some sons that wanted a different family. And, and you may understand uh, uh, from a familial sense what I'm about ready to tell you, but... God had created some sons, and over there in the book of Job, chapter 38, the Bible says that the sons of God shouted for joy. And there they were at the creation of the earth, and they wanted to please God, and they wanted to love God, but something happened. And many times in family life, things happen in the family. And look at it here in Jude, chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, And the angels was kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. They went to a different country. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. I don't know what it feels like to be God, amen. And you're like, amen, preacher, you sure don't because you ain't God. But I know what it's like to know, to want someone to be home and they're not there. And those sons that He created for His pleasure and His glory, think about why do you have children? (laughs) Tough, tough, tough thing to answer these days, amen. A family has children because it completes a, a man and a woman, the fruit that comes into that family. It's like the harmony in the home, isn't it? And God had a bunch of created sons and Jude chapter 6, they left their first estate. They wanted to go to that far country. And he let them go. But there's consequences, and now there's there's some seats that are empty. There's a big gap. And God said, "I have an idea." I know God never had an idea. I'm just surmising here. He says, I'll create man in my own image. And I'll put my spirit within him. And what happens is God created, a, uh, God created Adam and God created Eve to have fellowship with them and to, to rule this earth, so forth and so on. But God was searching for some sons that would love him because he had a bunch of sons that went wayward. They chose a different life. They chose a different path. I'm saying the mission of his return, he's just looking for some sons that would love him because them sons decided they that the far country was a better place to be. God had some sons that chose a different family And therefore God provided you and I a way to become a son of God by simply believing on His name. It's a miraculous thing indeed with John 1.12, I said the verse, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power, become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name. You say, well how in the world just because you believe on His name because what happens over there in the book of Romans chapter 8 and around verse 39 I believe is God provides the way that you get into the family of God through adoption. He said, I've got it, and I've determined, I've predestinated before the foundation of the world that those who accept my, my son will become a son of God through adoption. All through believing on his name. This morning I'm preaching about the imminent return of Jesus Christ, the method for his returning, the mission for his returning. God was searching for some sons that would love him. Do you love him this morning? Or do you love this present world I'm preaching it myself this morning because we often set goals we often set and there's nothing wrong with setting goals and trying to develop strategies to get places in life and do things but at the end of the day soon on earth this life will pass only what's done for Christ will last we're only here for a short time some shorter than others we're only told in the Bible that the average span of man's life is three score and ten. So many people don't even make it to three score and ten. I mean, mean, the way some of y'all feel and the way I feel in the morning sometimes would be a miracle to make it to 50. But the mission for his returning is God was searching for some sons, and he had to search for some sons that loved him because he had a bunch of sons that went wayward. Some of you might know the pain associated with sons that go wayward. And therefore God provided you and I a way to become a son, and He made it all possible through adoption. Well, let me tell you what God's searching for some sons, but not only that in the mission for His returning, God promised His new sons a new home and a new body. You say, "Why? Why a new home? Well, number one, yours is terrible. Amen. Amen. You always got to fix it up. You always got to patch it up. You always got to do this to it. You always got, I mean, uh, the, the insurance company sent out, you know, this nerd with a pair of glasses on a couple of years ago and he's knock, hey, knocking on my door. Can I talk to you? No, go away. Well, i got to walk around your property. Why? The insurance told me. I knew he was out there. I was just being a preacher, amen. Anyway, I, all right, so he's, he's going around my house, you know, like, you know, uh, what is it, Dr. Magoo, taking all these pictures. I'm like, I just want to reach out and tap him on the head, amen, with a hammer, amen. And he took all these pictures, and the insurance comes, oh, Mr. Evans, you got to do this to your house. you got to do this to your house. You got to. I'm like, fully on you. I ain't going to listen to you. He says, or we'll just drop your insurance. I'm like, well, that ain't a good thing. I'm like, okay, boys. I guess we gotta do the punch list. So we took one summer. Was it last summer? I think it was. And started working on. It. It took about thirty days. And man, they look pretty good. And I took pictures. Like, look what we did. Pretty good, huh? And I go, oh, Mr. Evans, it's so wonderful. And I got another letter. They raised my insurance. Pot liquors. I tell you, you can't win for losing, amen. But your house is no good. Anyways, the Bible says in John chapter 14, uh, uh, he's he's verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Listen, he's given you and I, as his sons, a new home. Amen. Amen. One that will never need any fixing, never need any vacuuming, never need any sweeping. Never need to walk away and then come back to the house and remember that you forgot to change the trash a week ago and now there's something rotten in your house. I'm telling you what, the house that he's preparing for you is out of this world. He's, he promised you a new home. You know what else he's promised you in 1 John chapter 3? He's promised you a new body. He's promised you a new body. Look at 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, verse 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Bible says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Amen. I put the amen in there for effect. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Amen? That's a brand new body, likened unto His glorious body, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, I don't know, I don't think I get any argument from anybody here unless you're uh, you know, like Mr. Universe or something. You need a new home because he's going to destroy this home and you need a new body because your body, according to Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, is a vile body. Amen. Isn't your body vile? I mean, smell it sometimes. It's really vile. It don't matter how much you spray it, clean it, scrub it, the real estate, it just flat out stinks. Why? Because it's dying and Job said that one day and they're going to put you to bed with a shovel that worms will infest this body. You want to talk about some stinky stuff. But thank God He's promised to give you and I a new home and a new body. And every Christian, every Christian is going to be changed. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I just wonder this morning if the Bible has become second place. If the Bible has become unimportant in the Christian. All right, and I'll tell you this much, Jesus Christ returning is very important to every Christian here today. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I'm telling you what, He has promised us a new body, and that body is going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it's going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, then He's got to change us. And that change not only is a spiritual change, which is a wonderful thing, but it's a physical change. I don't believe we're going to look like what we look like. Why? What, what, would, what advantages? Boy, when I get to heaven, I'm going to look like I look now. Well, that's pathetic, man. I want to look like the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your body. Go to Luke, uh, Bible, go to Luke 24. Luke chapter 24. You need a new body because your body is no good. And every Christian, every son of God, will be changed one day. You just read that. And I want to show you the body that you're going to get. This is pretty exciting. Luke chapter 24. You're going to get a body, the Apostle John says, that's likened unto His glorious body. It's going to be just like His. Luke chapter 24, look at verse 39. Sometimes I wonder if we just, we just stop and think about what's awaiting us. Twenty four thirty nine. the Bible says, Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Ain't that something? Uh, let me tell you what, Jesus Christ's glorious body that we're going to get, we're going to get a body just like you see here. It's just flesh and bones. It's just flesh and bones. Did you catch that? No blood. Why? Your blood's bad. There's something wrong with your blood. Why most people die, is something wrong with your blood. Everything connected to your blood going bad. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. And Jesus Christ's glorious body is flesh and bones. Absolutely no blood at all. Jesus Christ had a glorified body in verse 39. It wasn't just spooky like Casper the friendly ghost. Amen? It wasn't just like, Whoa. he's like, handle. he's like touch me, I'm here, it's me. But it was glorified, there was no blood in it. It was a glorified body. In verse 39, he says, handle me. Not only that, in verses 41 to 43, what does he ask for? He asked for some food. They gave him a piece of fish, the glorified body can eat. Isn't that a blessing? That is a blessing. Why? It's, it's, there's nothing better than getting together with people and family that you love and just get, get together around a good meal. It really is. That's a wonderful thing. There's nothing more healing than sitting down with someone that you've had differences with and drinking a coffee or having a meal together. And in that glorified body, you still can eat. Amen. Why do you think there's the marriage supper of the Lamb? That's where the Lord says, all right, you bunch of Baptists, y'all like to eat so much, now just have at her, and you won't gain a pound. Amen? (laughs) But that glorified body, it's a physical body with no blood. It could eat food. In verse 36, I notice this. The Bible says in Luke 24, 36, And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. While he might as well just went away. He just appeared out of nowhere. That's your glorified body. I mean, literally, quantum physics realm, just stuff you and I have no capacity to understand. He just appears out of nowhere. And the first words out of my mouth, peace be unto you. They still flipped out. But that body, what a glorified, what a wonderful body, a brand new body. And He's going to give it to you. It could eat food, it could pass through walls and all through Luke chapter 24. You see that that glorified body can can travel great distances at a moment's time. He was able to go to the third heaven and come back and he's able to do it in a couple hours. We're talking about millions and millions and millions and millions of miles with a snap of a finger, faster than the speed of light. That's the kind of body. See, God's searching for some sons because he had some sons that left him. And he's promised these new sons a new home and a new body. But you know what God also wants from these sons? He just simply desires a pure people. Look at 1 John chapter 3 again. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3. We'll start again at verse 2. Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear. You see that he shall appear, in case you're wondering. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You see a man that's looking forward to to the coming of Jesus Christ, A man or a woman that longs for the Lord to come back, that Bible says he is actively purifying himself. You see where we're at as a Christian people. You see where we have come. Do you see the precipice where we're standing at where Christians are no longer purifying themselves? Christians are no longer taking the things of God seriously and He's still coming back. What's going on? If you have the hope within you that Bible said He purifieth, that's a present tense, even as He Himself is pure. You long for Jesus Christ to come back. God's searching for some sons. He promised them a new body, a new home. He desires a pure people. Can I give you this one about the return of Jesus Christ? We've looked at the method. We've looked at the mission. I want to show you the mindset for His return. The mindset for His return. First of all, I think you know where I'm going with this. And sometimes it's, it's like you don't need the whole story. You just need a reminder just a piece of it, and the Holy Spirit goes, remember? And you're like, ah, oh, I, just, I just forgot. See, you and I, the mindset is we're supposed to be looking for him to come back. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope. Christian, can you say, this week I've been looking for him to come back? I've been looking for that blessed hope. Remember, that's the hope that He's coming back. Not a hope He is, but it's a hope that I have because His Son is inside of me. You're to be looking for Him to come. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 with me this morning. The mindset is we're to be looking for Him to come back. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, I hope this isn't too simple for us this morning. I believe it's the simple things of Christianity that got us so fouled up because there's so many times we're looking for deep things and dark things and trying to you know, uncover every stone and every gem. But look at verse 20, Philippians 3.20. The Bible says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When was the last time you looked for Him to come back? You say, uh, Preacher, uh, uh, what do you mean? You mean step out my door and go... Uh, Are you coming, Jesus? Uh, Well, maybe not that obvious, but when was the last time you looked and just longed for Him to come back and said, man, one of the best things in the world that could ever happen is if He could come back right now, right now this very hour, not, 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 I want to finish my show, I want to finish my game, I want to finish my meal, but I am looking for Him to come back. When was the last time you had that longing that He would come back right now and it'd be all right? Looking for that blessed hope. From whence we look for the Savior. The Bible says over in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 17, that little prophet, you know what he says? He's given, uh, given a lot of bad news. And uh, I'll paraphrase, he'll say that he says this I will look for him. When was the last time you just said, I'm going to look for Jesus Christ today? Take one day and look for him. You say, Preacher, uh, uh, what is it? Is it a game of hide and seek? No, uh, because He's in every life of the believer. He's inside of us. But the mindset of His return, you're to be looking for Him to come back. And second of all, you're to be waiting for Him to come back. You ought to be looking and you ought to be waiting. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We wait for so many things. We wait for our shift to be over. Amen? Oh, I just can't get here soon enough. Uh, some days you you punch the clock or however you do it. Maybe you report your hours on Excel spreadsheet or at the end of the day or maybe you're just salary. They expect you to be there all the time anyways. It don't matter. You're not going to pay paid extra if you're early or late. But you just, you're just just waiting for that day to get over. And it's not even 11 o'clock yet. That's the way we are to be like for the Lord. I just can't wait for Him to come back. I just can't wait for Him to... Get me out of here. Hey, look, I know the judgment seat of Christ is coming. I, I might be a little bit nerved up about that. Amen. And if you're not, well, we'll talk later and I'll buy your tips on all that thing. But uh, maybe a little bit nervous about that. And you say, well, preacher, you're not supposed to be. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'm supposed to have perfect peace. My mind stayed on me. I understand that. But I sure am waiting for him. I'm waiting for him. I wonder if you're waiting for him today. Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 5, he says, We wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. By faith. We wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible says, Paul says he ends that first chapter right in the presence of God. He says, And to wait for his dear Son from heaven. We're waiting for him to come back. And I'm telling you, you know what waiting does? It produces patience in the life of the believer. And I tell you what, some days I think I look all around and go, man, this has got to be the day, and then he don't come. I'm still waiting for him. And I'm hoping he comes back before I finish this message. He could do a lot better job. I know he's called me to preach, and I need to put my time in. I need to do what I need to do. God can feed the sheep, so forth. But I would much rather him come back before I finish this next point. Why? I'm waiting for him. I'm anticipating his return. I'm telling you right now, one more person doesn't have to get saved before, somebody, before he comes back. Uh, no, no thing in history needs to happen. No prophecy needs to be fulfilled. We believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. He could come back today. Amen. And I'm waiting for him. Waiting for him. The Bible says in Isaiah 8, 17, he says, I will wait upon the Lord. He says two things in that verse. He says, I will look for him, and I will wait for him. You say, well, that's a Jewish thing. and Yeah, sure is. Sure can apply to me, though. I'll look for him, and I'll wait for him. You see what happens when you don't wait? You get impatient. You start trying to run your own life, don't you? Now, if you're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're more careful in how you act. You're more careful in how you do business. You're more careful in how you treat your family. You're more careful in how you love one another. Are you waiting for him today? The Bible says in Psalm 25, 5, he says, On thee do I wait all the day. He say, this is a hard thing, preacher. Ain't no nobody ever can wait on the Lord all day long. There's a man, David. He says, I wait on thee all the day long. When David was right with God, he was anticipating the return of the real king. And if I'm right with the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm waiting for him to come back right now, knowing that he can. And if he's not, I need to be found busy doing what pleases him and nothing else. I'm waiting for him to come back. Psalm 37, 7, the Bible says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. There's that thing about patience popping up. Well, we're talking about the mindset... The mindset of His return, we're to be looking for Him, we're to be waiting for Him. And if I could practically apply a few verses, you and I should be watching for Him. We should be watching for Him. Bible says, look at Matthew uh, 24. Oh, preacher, you know, I understand the dispensation and all this stuff. And Man, this stuff will preach. You ought to be watching for Jesus Christ to come back. I know we don't need anything to, to tell us when he's coming back, but let me tell you what, all you got to do is put on your, uh, your eyes and your ears and you things happening all around us, and you know his coming is very soon. Very soon, Christian, don't think for 30 seconds the Lord wants this world to keep going on the way it is with millions upon millions dropping into hell and families getting worse and worse and the church getting worse and worse and the, ch- the church is, is so sickly it can't do the work of God. The church can no longer do the Great Commission. The church can no longer send forth missionaries out of its own halls because we're too busy trying to help the people inside the church get better because we're so sick. We stop waiting on Him, and we no longer look for Him. And because of this, this movement of self-induced ignorance has come in because we don't take the Word of God seriously. Matthew chapter 24, look at verse 42. 24 and verse 42. The Bible says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. I understand second advent. But still, you don't know when the Lord's coming back at the rapture, do you? You don't have a clue. You say, well, I think it's this here, and I like that. You know, And and I do think the Lord's probably coming. I I personally think He's going to come back in the next two and a half years. Maximum of 20. He said, what are you wrong? I'll still look for Him. I'm still looking for Him. Amen? How are you looking for Him? I'm just trying to get your attention this morning. Like, look, it's so easy to stop waiting for Him. It's so easy to stop looking for Him. It's so easy to stop watching for Him. Word of watching for Him, look at verse 44. The Bible says the same chapter, verse 44, Therefore be also ready. Are you ready? Oh, preacher, man, I, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm saved. And, and uh, boy, I tell you what, I, 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 I'm in fellowship with the Lord today. All right. Are you ready? How's your family ready? You say, well, I don't know about that. Hey, are your friend's ready. and your neighbor's ready. How about the people you work with? Are they ready? The preacher, you can't hold me responsible. Hey, I'm not the one saying you are responsible. But are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord in the air? Where are all the other saints that need to hear this this morning? I'm not getting after you. I'm not getting after that. Where are they at? Well, you know, preacher, I'm sure there's, I, I, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. Now, I understand people in the churches. in You can't say nothing. About, well, the preacher ain't saying that. Whatever. Well, where's everybody else that needs to hear this this morning? Well, preacher, it's your personnel. If you're in Sunday school, personnel don't cut it. You're going to tell me in a town like Iasco County, you can tell me in a town with however many thousands of people until after Labor Day and they all go home that you can only muster up 20-some people to come here and message about the return of Jesus Christ. You see, that's where we live. Now, don't feel bad. You're where God wants you. But are you ready? Are you looking and are you watching? That's the mindset of His return. Be also ready. Look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're on the the home front. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Here's another passage you can practically apply to the return of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. You say, Preacher, I just don't understand how you could just, just want you know, us to talk about... Look, I'm not asking you to talk about Jesus every time you turn around, but are you looking for Him? That's what I'm trying to get a hold of you. Are you looking for Him? Are you waiting for Him? Are you watching for Him? 12.35. 35, the Bible says, Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning, and you yourselves like unto... Here it is. Like unto men that wait for their Lord. Are you waiting for Him? Sure you are. You're here today, every time you leave your house on a Sunday morning, you know what you're showing your neighbor? You know what you're showing this old world? That one day there's going to be a mass exodus of believers from this world. And when all those believers leave, don't you know that some of them smart, lost people are going to go, well, they've been practicing this for years. You've been practicing getting out of here ever since some of y'all were this high. You've been doing rapture practices for years. Isn't that a blessing? You don't need any practice, but some of you all are real good at it. Some people need to practice more, amen? Now look at this, 35. Now look at 36. He says, And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. Amen? Aren't you and I going to a wedding? We sure are. Jesus Christ... He's the groom. We're the bride of Christ. Amen. And then the marriage supper. Amen. What a blessing. Wait for the Lord that he will return from the wedding. Uh, And when he cometh and knocketh, he may open unto them immediately. Look at verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. That's what we're trying to say. Are you watching? Are you watching? Are you watching for him in your Bible reading? Are you watching for him in your prayer life? Are you watching for them in your interaction with others? Are you watching for them in the church? Well, we've got the method, the mission, the mindset, and finally, unfortunately, the misery of those that are unprepared. Take your Bible, go to 2 John. There's only one chapter. The misery of those that are unprepared. One thing in school, I still have these nightmares to this day. About going to school and having a test and forgetting to study. Why is that one of the most terrifying things of life? Amen? But what if you're a Christian and you're not ready? What's going to happen? Well, you still get raptured out of here, amen? He's still coming back and you're you're going out of here whether you're ready or not. But something happens when you stand before him. Look at 2 John. Look at verse 8. Here's why you need to be ready. One of the reasons. He says, look to yourselves, right? Isn't that what he says? Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. The misery is this. You're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're not going to get the reward you should have got. He said, oh, preacher, man, you don't know me, man. I'll just be glad to make it in. You sure about that? You really sure about you? Really sure that half-half attitude is going to fly? You're really sure that you're going to be standing in front of billions of other Christians and they're going to get dump trucks full of rewards for serving Jesus Christ and giving everything they had to do whatever it is God wanted to? And you're going to say, well, you know, I'm just glad I made it in. <laughs> you really think it's going to fly? I'm telling you what, when you're standing before millions upon millions and even possibly billions of Christians and then the Lord of the entire creator of the universe is handing out rewards, you don't think that's going to be some shame involved in that? How about standing in the presence of David Brainerd, that great missionary, was a missionary just a handful of years, sold out for God. How about standing next to the Apostle Paul, and he's, a, well, you know, Lord, and, and I did this, and I suffered that, and, you know, and you're thinking to yourself, I'd hang me I had a hangnail, I stubbed my toe in the middle of the night. And, you, and you're thinking, why? I wish I'd have done more. I wish I'd have done more for Jesus Christ. And would find the lost rewards. I don't understand why Christians can't get that through their thick skulls. You're gonna wish you would have done more. And the time is drawing nigh where there will be no more time to work. That's why you work for the night is coming. And I'm trying to put you in the light of the judgment seat of Christ because there's coming a day when man works no more. And oh, what a blessing that will be. And we'll be forever with Jesus Christ, have a perfect mind, a perfect body, and we'll never offend, we'll never do anything wicked again. You'll never have to check your thoughts as long as you're in existence. What a blessing. You realize that everything you say, do, and act about, like, you have to check it. Like, is this the right thing to do? And there's coming a day when you'll never have to do that, but also there's coming a day where you'll never be able to do any more than what you've already done. That's why I want to say, are you ready? The misery is that some will not get the rewards that they should. Not only that, but sinners who are unsaved, sinners who are unsure, and sinners who are unsettled will miss the rapture. And the misery for those sinners is that they'll then be subject to literal hell on earth during the great tribulation. And they'll have to take the mark of the beast. And that Bible says if you take that mark of the beast, you're good as in hell with the door shut. That's the misery. And if they don't take the mark of the beast, I, I tell you what, I guarantee this is going to happen. There's going to be a bunch of Americans that refuse to take the mark of the beast. You know why? Because ain't nobody going to tell Americans what to do. I got my guns. I tell you what, you might be able to hide out in the UP. I mean, some of the Antichrist probably won't chase you around up new barriers. I have no idea. But you know what? You're still going to die and go to hell. And never get out. Look at me, my guns, my militia, my political stance. I made it through the tribulation because I'm a survivor. And you stand before the Lord at the great white throne judgment, and you drop into eternity forever and ever, into the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone, and you never get out. That's the misery connected. If you're a child of God, the misery is you miss out on rewards because you could have and you should have done more for Him, but you didn't because you'd rather please yourself. And the misery for the lost sinner is that the lake of fire awaits you and the great tribulation. That's the imminent return of Jesus Christ. He could come at any time. I sure wish He would you know how much would be fixed by Jesus Christ coming back right now? I mean, if He would come back literally right now, like now, you would not sin anymore today. I long for that day where I don't have to sin. And I know I I sin, and just like you, if you sin, it's because you choose to sin. But I long for that day where there's no more sin, no more Satan, no more sadness. That day's coming soon. I wanted to challenge you today because a great ignorance has settled over the body of Christ because that Bible is no longer important. Well, that's the message this morning. Are you looking? Are you waiting? Are you watching for His return? I had my wife come play something on the organ this morning. I don't know. I guess obey the Lord this morning. I'll just give a general invitation. Maybe you just want to come talk to the Lord. And just pray for him to come back. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Well, if that's all right, why don't you just come listen to the Lord and come ask him to come back?